0: Welcome to the 905 A Podcast. I'm Roland Tanner.
1: I am Joel McLeod.
0: Hamilton has a traffic and roads problem. In recent weeks, there has been something akin to a, a cataclysm on Hamilton's roads, as multiple people have been killed. This, we felt, had come to a peak last week, uh, when Boris Brot, Hamilton's well-known uh, conductor and someone who's been involved with uh, all forms of music and entertainment in our region for decades uh, was killed in an alleged hit-and-run accident uh, just outside downtown. But then, yet on Friday, uh, another young man was killed on Hamilton Mountain in a hit-and-run. Glenn Clark died after being struck by a vehicle on Upper Wentworth Street near Lime Ridge Mall. In February, CBC wrote an article uh, talking about the high number of accidents in Hamilton. It mentioned how there had been four road deaths a couple of years ago in Hamilton. But this year, a 71-year-old man was killed in January by a school bus. An 86-year-old woman was killed by an SUV in Stony Creek in October. Days earlier, a 65-year-old was killed by a dump truck on his mobility scooter. In January of 2021 an 81 year old man died while attempting to cross Main Street East without the right of way was the quote used Um, although I don't see that that's an excuse for killing somebody. Then on March the 19th three people were killed by the driver of a stolen Toyota Prius after the speeding vehicle went onto the sidewalk crashed and burst into flames. This is a huge problem and Hamilton can't carry on behaving that this is just normal this is a cataclysm happening on the streets around us and it's a disaster made by design because these is our roads are not designed to be safe and they're not designed to keep humans and traffic at a safe distance for each other or at to keep cars at speeds where death doesn't happen to discuss this crisis on our streets we spoke to Alex Bishop. Alex Bishop is a business leader and consultant to executives and politicians. He has successfully created hundreds of millions of dollars in funding for mental health programs and has advocated to prevent legislation that would have trampled on Indigenous people's rights. His firm was credited by QP Ontario as the reason Ontario schools didn't go on strike in 2019. His advocacy works stems from turning his life around and getting sober in 2011 and a realization that any privilege comes with a duty to give back. He writes regularly for national publications as well as being a regular contributor on television. But he's most proud of being a father of two extraordinary children. Welcome Alex Bishop to the 905 podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: My pleasure great to be
0: here so uh the reason we, we invited you on was was um just you know well the, the final impetus was was the tragic death of uh, boris brot uh, last week um uh, in a uh, uh killed by a, a car in 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 uh, hamilton uh, which which comes after what seems like a month or a couple of months or 6 months of Fairly frequent, um, really horrendous uh, uh, accidents in in Hamilton, which have seen multiple people killed. Um, I think there were three, or was it four people killed in a single uh, incident of a car kind of mounting a pavement a couple of weeks ago, and and it obviously just um, reawakens the whole issues of, of 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 safe streets and 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 the you know the uh, the the. The, the kind of vision zero that we're, we're all meant to be um, uh, aiming for. And actually, I mean, I was just speaking to you, Alex, on the phone yesterday, and it's like, does has Hamilton signed up to the whole vision zero thing? And you said, yes, uh, absolutely. So maybe you could give us a bit of, as I get feedback in my headphones, please, Um, As we, um, perhaps you can give us a little bit of the history of what, what, what where Hamilton is on its kind of roads and safety uh, 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 policies.
2: Thank you. So I think Boris's death, the fact that he's a significant person in the community. I mean, he's someone that, you know, lives in the neighborhood that I live in and very frequently would see him um, just walking on Lock Street. and, And so his death and the fact that he's had a significant impact, especially in the art scene, is something that I think is a bit of a catalyst, hopefully, for the city of Hamilton to move from being zero vision to being actually consistent with vision zero. And and I think that's where we are. I mean, this is something that has been paid lip service to. And even though there's been commitment to vision zero since back in 2016, I'm, I'm actually looking at a tweet from the city of Hamilton. Vision zero is a global movement changing the way we use roads. Share your thoughts about vision zero in Hamilton. Our vision is zero fatalities or serious injuries on our roads. Well, that's not happening. It's, it's happening because the city of Hamilton consistently is prioritizing the perception of convenience, not even the reality of convenience, but the perception of convenience over safety. This is the only city that I can think of in Ontario where we have a 400 series highway that goes from two lanes in one direction to five lanes, on main street in a city street. And this is absolutely abhorrent that this is something that we still have in 2022, given way back in 2016, we've we've made a commitment to to Vision Zero. And we need to actually get serious about what this means. And the solutions aren't as dire as some of the naysayers would actually come to make you think.
1: Well, on that on that note, I mean, I think when people think of like oh zero road fatalities, you know, and and zero uh, major uh, car car pileups or, or whatever have you, like that that's pie in the sky, like that's lovey dovey. You know, we all we would all like that, but you know, let's be honest here, it's it's unrealistic because there are people who look at say you can't stop somebody from driving bad, you, like you, you can't stop somebody ultimately really from speeding. And causing a, a a fatality or or a horrendous accident uh, because they were careless. I mean, you can punish them after the fact, and that might be a deterrent to some people. But let's be honest here, Alex. Like that's that's just pie in the sky wishful thinking. And you're 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 a, a naive tree hugging hippie to, uh, <laughs> to to want to to want to uh, uh, say, hey, let's let's have no. Car fatalities on our on our roads, and for the record, people, I am not actually this cynical. I'm just (laughs) playing devil's advocate. Oh yes, you are.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Is like, is how can we possibly get to zero fatalities or serious injuries on the roadway? Well, there's a couple things. I think one of the first things that the listeners need to understand is that if collisions happen and at a lower than 40 kilometer an hour kilometer an hour rate with a car and a pedestrian or car and bicyclist, then there's a over 80% survivability rate. So the focus should be how do we find a way to design streets to stay at that level. And here's a couple of things that can be done at very low to little cost for the city. One of them is to keep the lanes more narrow. So lanes that are over 2.1 meters in width encourage everyone to feel safer like on a 400 series highway where they're that wide, and you drive faster. We've all had the experience of being on a more narrow street. And as a result of that, Joel, Roland, what do you do when you're driving on a more narrow street? Slow down. You slow down. Why? Because the psychological effect mm-hmm. of, oh my God, I may bump into something naturally slows, slows us down. So it's one of the things that many city planners who care about the safety of, of pedestrians, of all of us, will do. And so it's something that we can do when we're taking, let's say Queen Street, and we're looking to uh, when it was one way from Main Street all the way up uh, to to Aberdeen. Now that it's now it has that two way section, one of the effects of it is the one lane that's going northbound is is more narrow. And you can actually see the flow of traffic and the design of it is causing traffic to slow down. And that's a simple thing that we can do. The other thing we need to do is we need to look at why on earth do we have this gigantic freeway running through the middle of our city called Main Street when it's actually detrimental, not just to pedestrians, but to the businesses that we say we're trying to support. Let's not forget that Hamilton has a more than $3 billion infrastructure deficit three billion dollars what that means is that the roads that we all know what they're like driving on roads in hamilton right now the sewers and all the infrastructure we have three billion dollars of back repairs that we should have done and one way to actually get ahead of this is to encourage more small businesses to come into the city and one-way streets deter the success of small businesses two-way streets where there's more walkability, encourage and actually create more sustainability for small business. So I think we need to think about it in terms of that lens as well.
1: I want I, I like what you're saying. Uh, it makes sense to me. But here, I'm, again, I'm playing devil's advocate here. And here's the counter argument to that. Um, the argument I hear from people in downtown Hamilton all the time is, oh, it's so easy to get around in Hamilton. It's so easy. Because all those one-way streets, it's just so easy. However, I'm, I'm, I do not live in Hamilton. And I will tell you this much. Uh, I hate it. I loathe driving in downtown Hamilton because it is a pain in my neck to see. You know, like I, I see the destination I want to get to that building over there, but I got to go down five blocks, over three, up four, four more, and get to a, a parking garage or whatever. It's a pain in the neck. Um, but no, it just seems I've never heard anyone who lives in Hamilton who buys into that that mentality of. You know, it, you're, you're right. Like, it, I, I don't want I to see, like, why would anybody want to open a, a small business or a shop on Main Street or King Street? When it's like, who's going to stop? And like, oh, I want to go into that little boutique and I want to shop, you know, a men's clothier or a ladies clothier or or a, a bookstore or whatever have you, a restaurant even. I want to stop in there. I'm going to pull over to the side or pull off and just walk it. It doesn't ha- You don't even see it because you're driving so fast. How do you combat that mentality? how Like, we're talking a generational in Mindset that is just ingrained into Hamiltonians. How do you how do you battle that?
2: Yeah, I I think there's a the fact that Hamilton is a changing landscape is one of the ways that it's going to be changing. It's going to be dealt with because we've got new people coming in from the city that have never lived here before. Roland, great example. You know, you're (laughs) getting you're getting to learn about this, about this wonderful city. And, you know, thank you for that invite that I've get to take you up on for the coffee. (laughs) When, when what we're seeing is a lot of the folks coming in from Toronto that are moving to Hamilton really like the walkability piece um, of certain neighborhoods. They want more of that to happen. Second thing is there's education, 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 education is the solution to a lot of the problems that we have. The more we can talk about different ways of doing things, versus you know doing the things that i like doing which is staying in my little echo chambers the more we're going to learn about how things could be doing could be done differently this morning i had this fantastic indigenous leader that i had a met for coffee at mulberry street on on james north and she's new to the city and she she was remarking about how much she loves that she's can walk over to certain places and how the car traffic on james north is an absolutely mental sauce. Well, it used to be mental sauce not too long ago, when when there weren't the same traffic calming measures that are in place now. And as a result, if you look at the vibrancy of James North, it's really the model for what could be for the rest of Hamilton.
0: Yeah, I mean, and just, uh, just speaking as someone who who lived in uh, Burlington for two decades, uh, and just now sort of six months of being Hamiltonian, uh, I. I was com- profoundly ignorant of the real Hamilton and and to a large extent because of 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 those you know those what do you want to call them, strodes or traffic sewers or those, those 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 big roads that dominate the center of tra- Hamilton that tend to be all you if you're visiting if you know like I would come to Hamilton to get my passport renewed or uh, you know those kind of things and, and all you would ever see was those horrible roads then a parking lot um, and what i never saw was that hamilton is a beautiful city um uh in so many ways once you get away from main street um and uh and that those those stores that joel was talking about you know the independent stores that they, they are growing and, and they are you know with lock street and james street and everything that are we're kind of seeing pockets within hamilton are really wonderful kind of pedestrian centric uh, and, and pedestrian friendly areas that we kind of need to join up uh, and bring those areas so that you know you don't have a gap in the middle that's kind of Yee. but but those roads dominate everything and for people again i mean i can't emphasize it enough that for people for people to come to hamilton once in a blue moon and you're trying to kind of sell the city on them all they see are these these dreadful one-way uh, uh systems which as joel says are, are kind of very off-putting as an outsider because they're because it's an uncommon thing in in uh, north America an uncommon thing in in Ontario to have one way systems um compared with I mean i I grew up in towns with with crazy one way systems which also have generally been replaced now because they didn't work there either but um yeah it, it it it's but then we look at council and I believe yesterday you know like literally days after after Boris Brott was killed, I think it was councillor Ferguson basically um uh, uh, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but but uh, words to the effect that, you know, we have to stop waging war on on car drivers. The poor car driver is being persecuted by all these crazy leftists on council. Uh, well, the two, we you know, which two he was talking about there, I suspect. Um, uh, do you think that there is a, a, a kind of, um, do you think change is coming? I mean, again, we're in an election year uh, and it seems that there's the kind of newer faces who who are more open to things like... Changing traffic and uh, uh, and and then then there's the old crew, do you think th- the change is on the way?
2: Yes, yes, I feel like quoting some Bob Dylan right now there are changes so yeah, so I mean if, if we run through kind of what the who some of the exciting names are that could be happening on council um you know very likely most of the incumbents will stay so that means you know in in wards one, and two, and there'll be, it'll be harder to unseat some of the folks that are in, or any of the lower, lower city wards, um, right across the, right across to the, uh, to the mountain and to Flamborough and to Stony Creek. But if we look at some of the wards where I think there's some opportunities for change, um, you know, there's wards four. um, there's, there's no incumbent because Councillor Marilla has retired or will retire rather. And there's, One of the names that I'm really excited about hearing in Ward Four is Max Francis, and Max Francis is actually, and I'm I'm sporting his shirt um, right now. uh, (laughs) The guy behind at Hamilton is home, so true Hamiltonian brand. We'll
1: we'll send we'll send him a bill for the uh, shameless plug, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's
2: it's like I I I I did uh, I I should ask actually ask him for some free shirts for uh, for y'all. So um, this shirt I paid for. Full, full disclosure, but he's um he's someone who's, you know, he's, he's a visible minority. He's a business owner. He's got, I've known him for two decades and he's someone who brings a very collaborative and engaging ethos and w- will be someone that if Ward 4 decides they want someone um, who has the ability of bridging different gaps. He's, he's that guy. Um, Ward 5, there's a, a few names being kicked around. Um, a guy named Matt Francis, so a uh, white guy, not to be confused with Max Francis, his name's uh, kicking around there. Um, some of Maria in Ward 10, which is just next to uh, Ward 5, is actually looking at a very difficult three-way race. She faced a four-way way race last time. The person who was in fourth is no longer will not be running. So it's going to be Maria, uh, Louis, Jeff Beatty. So there's there's three people, and I would not be at all surprised. If you get someone like Jeff or Louie having a shot at at taking Maria out, um, I would I would wage, wager on that. Um, you know, Judy Partridge is not running in in Waterdown. So that's almost certain that um Susan McKechnie, I believe is her last name, will will be the the leader there. Arlene is Vanderbeek Beek is facing what looks like there, and this is this has been thrown around there, it looks like. Ted McMeekin may be running really and yeah so Ted McMeekin for your listeners will probably remember him being a former cabinet minister mm-hmm. and parliamentary it's, assistant to the yeah we, we had him, we had
1: him on, the, uh, on, the
0: episode, on the podcast a couple episodes back oh um, I missed it yeah ahead. he yeah. Well, we've all three of us have probably known Ted for quite I mean, obviously he's been around Hamilton and, and Ancaster for a very long time so that's an interesting interesting development let's put it that way in a, in a, in a neutral fashion <laughs> <laughs> um well I mean like you're definitely setting up
1: that there is I don't know what the outcome of the election will be so I'm not going to predict that but that there is at the grassroots level there does seem to be an appetite for change and I don't mean just in terms of this we've, we've talked about the, the 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 grassroots movement many times on this podcast before um we've reached out to various groups and I I kind of want to touch upon that is that Hamilton seems to be at, coming at a crossroads where there are there's organizations. There is a grassroots movement of we want the city to be different. We we need to grow beyond just being a Stelco town. Uh, we need to get past this mentality and grow into a more 21st century uh, city, really, and and kind of leap forward in in terms of a maturity of uh, of Hamilton. And there's this the old school crowd that's just you no, know, you know, the we need to go back to the glory days of Stelco and 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 whatnot and. We're coming. at we're, I think this election will be a bit of a battle of those ideas. That being said, um, I want to shift the focus to the provincial level because when we're talking about in major infrastructure building, we're talking about how, like, to make people safe. We're going to need massive amounts of infrastructure funding to change the landscape of our streets and whatnot, and that's got, eventually that's going to have to come from the province. And here's the 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 rub: I don't see that help coming from this current. Provincial government. I don't know what's going to happen on June second, um, but that's to be seen. And my point is, this this country, this country, uh, sorry, this government does not care about Hamilton. I'll be honest. Uh, the LRT that came in—that's that's a federal funding thing. If it was if the feds didn't pony up the cash, the LRT would not be happening. This provincial government did not care for it. Um, this provincial government wants to overrule the city council and expand the urban boundary just to build more single-use family homes, sprawl, whatnot, and again, overlooking the fact of, hey, if we focus on infill, if we focus on redesigning a lot of these parking lots that we have in downtown, a lot of empty buildings, derelict buildings that need to be upgraded, turning those into condos, rental properties, townhomes, whatever the case may be, the sky's the limit, literally. And there's a t- in that case, you could revamp a lot of the city landscape. And I'm going on a long way saying, is this actually doable with, you know, like, are we talking about a really fundamental shift in how we look at our urban landscapes in Canada, starting with the 905?
2: Yeah. So I think you brought up two interesting points. You talked about the provincial government and their ability to be moved to invest in Hamilton. And then uh, the second piece you were talking about, which is, you know, sit boundary expansion. So I guess the first thing, the reason why Hamilton has the largest infrastructure investment ever in the history of, of, of the city is frankly not due to the great leadership we have at City Hall. It's frankly not due to any other reason except we have an incredibly powerful force in Leona, in Joe Mancinelli, who had, was the only labor organization to have supported Premier Ford in his election bid. In 2016, sorry, 2018 rather, and in 2018, to, he supported him. He then flipped and called him a coward, called Premier Ford a coward when Premier Ford canceled the LRT. And I was there at uh, at the Sheraton when when that announcement was was botched, and and where we're, um uh, Minister Mulroney was was heckled away from even making the announcement publicly. So. What we what that does tell us is this province will be moved and can be moved on Hamilton-based investment if there is political influence that is pushed. And I think that's a really important point to notice. And, and I've I've written about the fact that the what the the power and influence that Leona has is actually a model that other unions, public and private sector unions, ought to follow instead of doing what a lot of public public sector unions or private sector unions do, and they exclusively attach themselves to one party. The flexibility that Joe Mancinelli has in terms of being able to support different parties is a huge uh, power, a weapon that he's been able to wield. So that's one thing. The urban boundary debate. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that Hamilton needs to grow up versus out. That's this is things that I've talked about in when I was supporting LRT in the third party campaign we put together, whether it was articles I've written as recently as I think this year I wrote an article that Hamilton needs more more density and and not less. So and I, and I think the reason that that doesn't happen and, and the the boundary expansion is being pushed is because Hamilton doesn't know how to talk to Premier Ford effectively. If if he was we were able to talk to Premier Ford as effectively as some of the single family developers have been able to talk to him, we'd have a different story. Look at what happened with LRT. We did a, he, a complete one eighty on that with, with the help of Premier uh, or with uh, Minister McKenna and 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 uh, and other leaders federally. But that's possible. Change is possible. But the problem is, is if we talk in a lefty wonk approach, and we're talking policy, policy, policy we talk fact, 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 we're never going to win the feeling fight. We cannot bring facts to a feeling fight and trying and try to win.
0: That's, that's a really interesting point because I mean, I guess the one thing and it's been somewhat hidden under the whole, because everything has been dominated by COVID for the last couple of years. But the, 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 the one thing you, you could say is a good thing or a bad thing or however you want to spin it with, with Doug Ford is here's a premier who will change his mind <laughs> when pressure is brought to bear. Um, and, for better or worse it's something because that you you can when you take yourself out of the partisan kind of um environment you can actually work with that at least uh, and as you say actually that lrt is a, you know, basically the government has done a, a, two u-turns on this uh, from from officially supporting it when it came into government cancelling it a couple of months later to then throwing even more money into it a few months after that um yeah that, that that's, that's an interesting point i mean do, do you think I mean, when I look at the council, I mean, much as Hamilton has a kind of a reputation as, a, as an NDP city, and with with, with some good reason, um, I look at council. I don't see um, a, a. I mean, far from being a leftist, a, a council full of 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 leftist kind of tree huggers, it's 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 kind of, you know, you can't say that about Sam Marula, <laughs> you can't say that about Terry Whitehead, and you can't really say it about Fred Eisenberg either. Um, so, so why can't they, they, they work with, with a provincial government, which in many ways is more to their way of thinking?
2: I think it's stylistically. I think the way that all of the councillors and the mayor has, have gotten into power has been by having a very focused narrative where they haven't had to be collaborative across the, the spectrum and have to, having to speak to people who don't necessarily share their political ideologies. One of the things that I and I, I gave Fred money last time and supported him tepidly. And I think there were a lot of people that did that as well. And I think the reason why yeah. is, is is a function of there wasn't a, an alternative that a lot of people could agree with. And so if Fred was able to create a team council approach and, and put a message where everybody was united behind a single vision like Vision Zero and actually ste- step it up with action... Then there'd be a lot more influence and power that that group could bring to Queens Park to Premier Ford, but we're not seeing that happen.
1: But see, it's that. But is that going to actually matter? Because I think that this what I'm getting from this provincial government, and the, I should say from not the government. I want to say the the PC Party. This doesn't seem to be a party so much committed to ideology, in my opinion, as much as it's convinced as it's committed to winning. Um, and my 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 evidence to support that is that it, it's clearly tied to the development industry because it. I believe that that's where it's getting its bankroll from is uh, the developers and and like-minded people putting money into the the coffers, and so they figure, well. I got to develop. I got to to present some wins for that for those people, and they're going to help me win some writings, or at least. Hold on to writings uh, currently. How I mean, how realistically can you know Fred or Sam Marula or anybody go to Doug Ford and say, "I can give you Hamilton Mountain. I can give you Hamilton Stoney Creek. I can give you Hamilton Center." Like really, like really, is that is that a plausible feat for anyone to go to Doug and say, "I can do this for you. Just give us money for this project."
2: I don't think it has to be that linear. And I'll give you an example of why I don't think it has to be that linear. When um, I was part of the lead group that put together the naloxone program under Premier Wynne. And so that's a opioid overdose prevention program. I was really worried that Premier Ford was going to cut that. Deeply concerned about it. Saved a lot of my friends' lives. I've been sober for more than a decade now. And, and I've seen a lot of people die, frankly, over the past, especially over the last two, three years. But had died you know, over and over again because of opioids. So what we did was we created a private member's bill so personally, this is a you know just a volunteer thing, create a private members' bill with a Tory backbencher to provide free training for these naloxone kits on every first responder in the province. So what I did was I got the, the premier a win for a cause he cares about, which is first responders. And I got a win for what I cared about, which is people like me who are who used drugs not dying. And there's ways of doing that as well for the premier on given issues the problem is is if we don't go in hamilton leaders don't go in with that collaborative ethos if we lack the ability to know what is in it for premier ford then we're never going to have those those solutions being presented and that's the concern i've got
0: i think that 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 yeah that that's a, a really good point and and we think so much in our kind of part even when we're not partisan ourselves we think so much in a partisan framework um that we're always well there's nothing we can do with this government so let's wait for the election and hope we get something better next time around and it it, it it's it's self-defeating in a, in a way you know it's it's as i say the, the 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 one thing you that i would say you can give to premier ford is uh, premier ford is um a certain amount of flexibility and, and also um yeah, give him a win, and um, and he'll support anything to an extent. In mean, LRT is kind of an example of that. Give him a win, and, and suddenly he's the biggest fan of LRT. <laughs> um, just bringing it back to the to the safe streets again. And I mean, it just in case there's anybody listening who um, isn't familiar with who Boris Brott was and, and his importance to not just Hamilton but but uh, anybody in this part of the 905 region in terms of the arts and music. Um, uh, I, I, you know, it's always when you focus on someone who's well known. To be extent, it's disrespectful to the to the numerous other people who've died recently in car accidents, who who just had the misfortune not to be uh, locally sort of notorious. But still, I mean, do do you think this this can be a turning point in in, in Hamilton's views of things? You know, in an election year, um, that this has to be the point where, where things change. We can't just give lip service to Vision Zero anymore. There, you know, We don't have to wait for the province necessarily. There are so many different things that can be done to make streets calmer uh, without um, necessarily spending vast amounts of money. I mean, like you say, uh, I, the, the point you made about the width of roads was brought home to me um, 2018 when I was canvassing in Burlington. Uh, and the street I live on is a long straight street. I, I lived on at that time, a long straight street. And hundred yards away is another long straight street, which is almost identical, but a meter wider. And canvassing on those two streets, it was immediately apparent how much faster the traffic went on the one that was about a meter wider. In every from the from the purely visual point of view, um, you couldn't you could hardly tell the difference. Um, but the the, the speed was, was very noticeably different. And that street has a, a continual kind of campaign for for traffic calming measures, which which don't haven't really got anywhere yet. Um and it seems to me like you don't need to spend billions on narrowing a street. You can put in, you know, I mean, I grew up in a country where you would have bollards and sleeping policemen, we used to call them, you know, the, the humps in the roads. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, I, I see in Hamilton, those things just don't really seem to exist very much yet. Um, so to, to, to shorten my enormously long question down to a couple of six sentences, do you think we are at a turning point?
2: So as unfortunate as it is that, a person of 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 note in the media needs to die for their attention to be brought to a given issue i think that's, a, that's just the way humans are built humans will identify with a person a leader was was talking about this morning this morning about this exact issue hopefully there will be a uh, an upswell of folks who have a connection to boris or connection to music and what they he means and he meant to them to be able to create momentum. I think what that's going to serve to do is is tell the leaders, this is an important issue and we need to pay attention to it. What it can also do is it can help get out the vote of folks who identify with that being an important issue. But what I will say is we will probably only see between three and five new faces on council. If the approach that council has is not being able to talk in, to each other in the language that the other folks listen to. Just like I was suggesting that Hamilton, as a whole, needs to talk to Premier Ford in his language. I don't think we're going to see change. It's very challenging for people to who are very car centric to hear stories about why we need to narrow lanes. If we don't give them reasons to listen to us that make sense to them, they're not going to. I don't think it's any more complicated than
1: that. You know what? I think that's where we should uh, end off the episode because uh, we're coming up on our half-hour uh, uh, talking limit. <laughs> uh, Alex, thanks very much for for joining us and sharing your thoughts and ideas. And clearly, this is a very complex, many solutions to a very, I guess, simple problem uh, uh, with Hamilton. And we'll probably want to talk with you again about it probably post uh, municipal. Uh, municipal election, whatever that might be. Uh, so thank you very much, Alex, for coming on. My pleasure. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you.